Hi, everyone, and welcome back to SCORE's podcast, Inside College Admissions. On today's episode, our strategic advisor, Peter Van Buskirk, is going to interview one of our high school counselors. But before we jump in, we want to provide you with some background on Peter and the great work he does with SCORE. Peter Van Buskirk is an industry analyst, student advocate, author, speaker, and workshop leader. He brings over 25 years experience in college admissions, including 12 years as Dean of Admission at Franklin and Marshall College. Peter also founded his company, Best College Fit, to bring transparency to the college admission process and help students position themselves to achieve their educational goals. On top of that, Peter is a regular content contributor at SCORE, and you can find his content in the blog section of our website and on YouTube, where his webinars and presentations are hosted. We're excited to feature Peter on our podcast and are thrilled to share with you the conversations he's having with admissions experts. So without further ado, we'll kick it over to Peter. Welcome to Inside College Admission, conversations with college advisors about matters affecting the college-going process. My name is Peter Van Buskirk, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Allison Almasian, who is the Director of College Counseling at the Taft School in Connecticut. Welcome, Allison. Thanks so much. It's wonderful to be here with you, Peter. I I suspect uh, these days are kind of busy for you right now. Uh, You're in the midst of uh, application season and writing letters of recommendation. Indeed. Working with the seniors, making sure they're ready to go. Um, Also helping both juniors and seniors uh, navigate the testing landscape, which is most interesting in the time of COVID. Well, you provide a perfect segue, the time of COVID. The the last eight months have probably been a a real revelation to us in in many ways unexpected. Can you give us a sense of of what happened on your campus uh, by the middle of March when it became apparent that this uh, pandemic was, was the real deal? Well, we were um, had just broken for spring break, so everyone happily went off on spring break and, and things got worse as we were away uh, and, and in consultation with a lot of our overlap schools and in discussions with entities around the state and in the region, it became pretty clear pretty quickly that we would need to pivot to remote for the spring. So Taft The students did not come back from spring break. A long spring break, yeah. (laughs) It was a long spring break. Uh, We went to remote learning using Zoom. Uh, We also chose to go with a pass-fail model for the rest of the spring semester. So all of our students at Taft, their spring 2020 will show pass-fail only grades. Oh, my goodness. Now, what about this fall? Are you still doing... uh remote, pass-fail, or, or what, what, how are things evolving for you this fall? Right. Well, we learned a lot in the spring, and, and everyone, as I'm sure every educator across the country, spent a lot of time doing professional development over the summer. Uh, Taft is now operating with a hybrid model. Uh, so we have five, about 500 of our 600 students on campus, about 100 remote. Those are mostly internationals, but not exclusively. We even have some day students. We meet students where they are. If they feel that they can be here, we'd love to have them. But if they feel they can't, we're working with them. It is challenging in a with a boarding school environment to determine, make sure that we can handle everything safely. So all students, if they came back, had to have a guardian who would be able to pick them up within 24 hours if they fell ill, which is a lot to ask, particularly if you're, you know, if you're an international family or from further away. 
the hybrid model is going fairly well. Uh, just about every class on campus is going to have one or two remote students. We want very much for the remote students to feel engaged and part of the community. Um, and, and that is easier or harder depending on your time zones, but everyone seems to be making it work, getting used to the new norm. What's the morale like? Because I would imagine students uh, in the spring at first were excited about the extended spring break and then probably very frustrated by the fact that they're finishing the semester in a way that was very unusual for them. And now again, looking at a different kind of a, a educational uh, rubric for the fall. They're with you. I'm, I'm, I'm gathering that, that you haven't lost anybody, but what's the morale like for your kids? First of all, there's so much pain associated with this pandemic in so many ways. I have a special place in my heart for the class of 2020 who missed out on all of their their senior springs, their graduations, and, and that was really hard. I think for the most part at Taft, the students have really come back saying, we're so grateful to be on campus. Are they annoyed by the very stringent restrictions? Sure. And some days those are more annoying than others. But as a whole, they'll take any way they can be on campus and be around their peers. And as a mother of three and having spent an unexpected six months with all of my children whom I adore, I think we were all excited to leave the house and you know, <laughs> try, try this new, you know, this new model. And uh, so it seems to be working well. I think our younger students mean well, but it's a little hard to remember all the rules, uh, but we're, we're, working with them and it's always teachable moments. For you now professionally, as, as you're helping young people with their applications and there's under any circumstance, there's a lot of anxiety about my senior year, it's time to apply, I've got to get out to see colleges. Ooh, can't do that right now, can I? Uh, I need to apply early, well, how can I apply early decision if I can't see colleges? What are the biggest challenges that you're encountering uh, with your seniors now? I've always been a, huge believer in the value of the campus visit. There's no question about it. And there's something you feel by actually crunching across the quad or smelling the smells and seeing the energy. Having said all of that, my props go to our colleagues on the other side of the desk. It has forced them to become much more creative and how what their virtual programming will entail. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we've just been pushing our students to see what each school's doing and find ways to engage. I think those that allow for current student to prospective student contact is, is fantastic when that can happen. I've been telling students to do things like look at the YouTube video pages. What are students posting to get a feel for student life um, and diving more deeply into the biology webpage to find out which professors are doing what kind of research and look at the course catalog and see what kinds of courses are offered. Mm -hmm. Here's an opportunity for our students to learn a different kind of research and how to glean the information they need to make good decisions. Are they buying in pretty well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is something about it being global that I think everyone's mindsets have sort of evolved to, okay, here's where we are and these are my options. How do I make the best of it?
But the reason I ask if they buy in, every once in a while I'll, I'll talk with a student who will assure me that the school that uh, he's interested in has biology because he's found that on the homepage of the website. And then I'll say, well, what do you know about the faculty in the biology department? What do they teach and what are their, their backgrounds? And I'll, I'll hear this more than once, and I'm sure you've heard this before too. Well, they don't say that on their website. <laughs> you know they do. So, uh, you know, there's a tendency on the part of teenagers sometimes not to dig very deeply, but it sounds like your students are, are pretty well oriented to doing that kind of good research for themselves right now. Right, right. And that's, and we very much try philosophically in our office and in our community at large mm-hmm. to use the college processes, capstone experience of sorts. Sure. We have what we call the portrait of a graduate, what we expect, what skills we expect our graduates to have when they leave us. And so many of them are applicable to the college process and how to do independent research, how to do self-assessment, figure out who you are, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, how do I build on that information? So that's how we've positioned our working with them. Cool. Um, has the pandemic and the social distancing, uh, working remote with kids, has that affected the way you can connect with your advisees? You know, there are many times where I have said that, you know, thank goodness for Zoom. I feel like I can do my work quite effectively on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually now that the students are back and I, we have the opportunity to meet in person, there are many times where... I sometimes think Zoom can be better because we're non-masked and it's the only place we could be non-masked is on Zoom if they're in their room and I'm in my office. And as someone who probably went to too many concerts in my 20s, my ears are not great where they were and I sometimes struggle to hear what they're saying behind their masks. And it also works well when I'm going helping them with Common App Review before they submit, they can just share their screen so I don't have to look over their shoulder. So I have felt fortunate in that I feel like we have been able to do most of what we would normally do virtually or behind masks in real life. Sure. Well, as as you're working with seniors, and I alluded to this a few minutes ago, uh, there's the tendency on the part of students to feel the need to get out and see schools. Nonetheless, because they can't, they're probably feeling dislocated from that part of the process. They have to come up with lists, college lists. How are you advising them to proceed with uh, the list development and zeroing in on things right now? Well, I, I don't think students should be waiting. I don't think we can assume campuses are going to be open to outside visitors anytime soon. So I've really been working with our students saying you need to assume that what you were able to glean from your web research, your various interviews and all that information that you were able to get within yourself, make your decisions. And I think that in a year of tremendous uncertainty. I think early is still something I recommend. Certainly early action wherever possible, Mm -hmm. because I think colleges are very nervous, don't know how their numbers are going to be. And it is to the advantage of the students to be in the pool earlier rather than later. If a student, if we're talking about a commitment through an early decision deadline, I always want, obviously, for those students to not make a decision they don't feel comfortable making. If they can't say clearly that it's their first choice, they shouldn't apply ED. But if they can, I think it makes sense. And if they can't um, make a commitment, then certainly early action wherever possible. It really does become a, a conundrum. And, and you, you spoke that as a 
true admission officer would. Uh, Allison has a long and, and a successful history as a dean of admission as well. So you get to see this from both sides of the fence. But um, you know, historically, kids applying early decision typically have a statistical advantage in most candidate pools. So there's a draw that way for kids. And as an institution, it's a good way to begin to build the class with high-yielding students who really want to be there. And, and of course, with the coronavirus, I would imagine, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, but I would imagine that colleges are nervous about putting together a class when all of the predictive metrics that they've used for years are kind of gone right now. So there's going to be a push toward early decision from the colleges and a yearning that way for kids. If I hear you correctly, you're saying step back and, and make sure that you're doing this for the right reasons rather than uh, you know strategically saying, well, I, I'm going to use my early decision here or there just to get in. Because it's, it's, it's not a revocable thing, really, is it? No, no. And this is where I have many, many conversations with students where I talk about It's a battle between head and heart, Uh, and it is my job as a counselor to help them understand strategic impacts of various decisions they make with regard to decision type, Yeah. but I always very much want to keep the student centered. They're choosing a really important part of their lives, and buyer's remorse is a horrible thing, and I, I never want to have a student in that situation. So it's that balance uh, that is constantly being measured. Yeah. And, and the other area that is kind of got turned upside down, inside out this year is testing. And I, oh, I, yeah. I think you may know that I spoke with a, a lot of deans of admission in the spring and heard from almost every one of them that if they if their institutions had not already decided to go test optional, they were planning to. What are you hearing from colleges on this front? that the vast majority are test optional this year. And I also spent a lot of my early fall on nonstop webinars with colleges. And every webinar I am on, the question is inevitably asked, are you truly test optional? You say you're test optional, are you truly test optional? And they all are emphatically saying we are truly test optional. And I have to say, I believe them for this year. Mm -hmm. because. There just are thousands and thousands of students who have literally had no chance to take a test. And I believe colleges fully understand that and can make no assumptions about a student who has not been able to submit a test score. Do I remember correctly that you worked with an institution that was test optional? Yes. And I was there the year we, I went, I yeah. the implementation. And so you, as, as was I, when I was in college admission and I constantly dealt with the questions, the cynical question about, are you sure, what are they going to think if I don't send my scores and what they assume they're low? How do you reassure kids that this is a real thing? Well, I, it, so I'm, I'm speaking from the pandemic for this year. I do, I I tell them about every webinar that I'm on, Mm -hmm. and then I give them the logic that, again, there is nobody at any institution who could possibly say definitively, this kid didn't submit scores, therefore must have bad scores. They're they're just way too many students who couldn't take it at all. Mm -hmm. And colleges know that. And so they're not going to make any assumptions this year. I do think it's important to say broadly, I also think in a non-pandemic year, the vast majority of test optional colleges are also truly test optional. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a little extra comfort out of the horror of this pandemic that colleges cannot make any assumptions. And I've told my students, here's a one 
bright light in this pandemic is that your scores can only help you this year. If you are able to take a test and you score well, and you can share those and they may help you in the process. But if you don't score as you would like, you don't need to submit and no one can make any judgments about that. It's certainly a unique opportunity for a college applicant this year with modest test results. Yes. (laughs) Just to bury them, right? Right. Wow. In a similar vein, I suspect there's a little bit of angst on the part of students and perhaps their parents because of the disruption that's taken place in their academic lives over the last eight months. Uh, will colleges really know what happened and, and will colleges really know what pass fail meant for us last spring? How do you go about explaining this? Um, or reassure Two things, really. How do you reassure the students that, you know, it's going to be okay, but also how, how have you been engaging colleges with this conversation? Sure. That, that would be the sort of the second question that it's always asked on the <laughs> webinars that I've been going to. Um, and again, I'm hearing again and again from most selective institutions down the line, they get it. They've been in many cases living with high schoolers in their own house or kindergartners in their own house. They know that no one, the world came to a screeching halt and there were no sports. And if you managed to get a job, you were really, really lucky. Most, a lot of schools I know went past fail to communicate that to colleges Taft has certainly put that on our profile, what were our COVID-related changes to our system. And so I explained what we did in the spring and explaining the hybrid in the fall. And to clarify, we are giving grades this spring, uh, this fall, Good. not in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are putting it on our profile. Uh, when I'm writing my letters, I always speak to the spring term and you know how the student was doing as we head into, headed into remote learning mm-hmm. and how they fared in that process. And and usually saying how well they fared in that process and, you know, can miss a beat and, and, and can speak to that. And the segue there too, or the, the corollary, I should say, is that there, there are a lot of things that kids couldn't do that they would normally do, not only academically, but non-academically. And they're probably feeling, again, dislocated from their normal lives as athletes, as musicians, et cetera. Uh, how, do you, how do you counsel them with regard to presenting themselves to colleges in light of the fact that they've had to stop? Well, I've seen it, everything from on the common application activities section. I've seen some students who will say, you know, I was on JV lacrosse, you know, was in the midst of tryouts for varsity when pandemic changed the season. So for someone who really wanted to speak to the fact that they were on track to be varsity, they stuck it in there on their activities description. We had a lot of students who found other things to do. So I have a student who spent some of her summer doing virtual music camp for first and second graders. And she and a friend had, so all the moms and dads who were home with their kids, little ones, they could set up this um, camp and have sing-alongs on Zoom, and they found a way. We also know that there's a lot of families and students who have experienced significant trauma and illness in their own families, loss of jobs. There's there's so much going on. Surviving is more than meeting expectations. And colleges understand that. We understand that. There is the additional essay question where students can talk about how the pandemic may have specifically impacted them. Um, So their story is a little more complicated than that of most. That's an opportunity to showcase what may have happened and what they may have overcome. 
my guess also is that there's a fear on the part of some students that I don't want to write about coronavirus because everybody will do that. I've gotten some feedback from colleges about that, but I'm, I'm curious to hear what you might be hearing from uh, admission officers. It's probably number three on the list of things that they talk about in their webinars. That one is a little more tricky because we we're getting somewhat different answers mm -hmm. about the COVID question. Certainly, I think if someone wants to talk about the impact of the pandemic, it should be in that additional question specifically about COVID. I would probably not use it as my main essay unless there was a very compelling reason to do so. I think it they gave a space to talk about that specifically, and I think that's where it should be. Mm -hmm. I think for the vast majority of answers I've received from colleges, if you're quarantine pandemic time was like that of many of us where mom and dad are really annoying and I'm sick of Zoom and it's hard to get a job and but generally upsetting and in lots of ways but not pretty much what most of the nation was facing mm -hmm. maybe you don't need to do that additional essay mm -hmm. but if there was significant challenges that you faced that it's important it may have impacted spring grades or maybe if it's still affecting um, fall performance that would be a good place to put it also there are the occasional and I don't want to I always worry about this there were those students out there who did manage to learn a fifth language and, you know, how to build boats or whatever. Yeah. I, I think they're rare, but they did happen. And that might be a place where if you did something particularly extraordinary, you might want to mention there. I don't know. What do you think, Peter? No, no I would agree. The, the feedback that I had been hearing was that it's, it's bound to happen. There'll be a lot of coronavirus essays. But the advice was, is, as long as you make the expression an intensely personal one, something that reveals how things have affected you rather than the woe be me, my parents are annoying, that kind of, you know, if, yeah. if, you, if you are able to help the reader understand something more about yourself that wouldn't be learned anywhere else, that that, that could be an appropriate approach. I want to just touch on one other topic here bef before we start to wind things down. For many families, the pandemic is posing some, understandably posing some cost and affordability issues. Are you finding that that part of the the conversation is percolating any more than normal from your families at this point? I fully expect that that is happening. We started a little bit late and we're working on just getting lists and get, figuring out their game plan. But you know, we certainly have sent out our initial mailings regarding the financial aid process. I am a little nervous um, because I expect that colleges uh, also took extremely large hits financially. Yes. Mm -hmm. And how is that going to impact their financial aid budgets moving forward? Uh, so we have been encouraging our students that we know will have financial need to be thinking about um, when they select their likelies, picking schools that have strong merit, mm -hmm. um, so where they will be higher up in that particular pool and therefore might receive more financial aid or a higher percentage of need-based aid than over loans, those kinds of things. It is, it's very much on our minds. And I think it is likely going to be a tough year in that regard. Uh, well, absolutely. And, and I'm wondering also, given the fact that many institutions have developed a range of instructional options from the traditional in-residence uh, in the classroom uh, on our campus to remote in your bedroom at home to breaking up semesters into terms to having some hybrid models, are you hearing any conversation from institutions about variable pricing associated with the options? Or do you sense that schools are just going to say it's going to be one price for all? 
all options. I've heard murmurings about it. I don't know that I feel like some schools may have done that a little bit. And in fact, Taft is doing a differential Mm -hmm. tuition, not a huge, but a bit of a discount if you're remote. I guess I still have my higher ed hat on and also my working at an institution that is a boarding Mm -hmm. school. Our costs are not changing Actually, our costs are going up with remote learning rather than going down. And I understand absolutely the consumer experience that they're not getting the same experience as they would if they were in the classroom. But in terms of the resources, the training, all the tech that you need to have, it costs more. It just doesn't cost any less. And so that's a tough equation for the colleges. Well, for the colleges to figure that out, but also to articulate it well to families when the families, as you hint, uh, will be looking perhaps for a price break. If I'm not going to be full-time on your campus, why should I pay as much? And it turns out there may be a greater expense. Oh, lots of fun in the coming months on that matter. Um, and finally, you know, as, as we kind of wind things up here, hopefully we'll be able to move past the, the worst of the pandemic in the, in the coming months, we hope. One of the conversations that I found interesting with the deans of admission was, well, do you expect to go back to business as usual? And I'm just wondering what your thoughts about that uh, might be from, from what you're watching. And again, having worn the higher ed hat too, um, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you see a day when we are back to the way it used to be uh, 12 months ago? No, but I do see, I think some things that some of the changes that have happened are actually some good and innovative and interesting changes. And then I think there's a lot of things that I miss terribly that likely will come back. I think a day when students can visit actual campuses will be a great day. What I am beginning to realize is I don't know that admissions counselors need to be traveling (laughs) <laughs> as much as they're traveling because Zoom works really well. Uh, I was talking, I, actually, my daughter, who is very involved in environmental issues, is, I mean, the footprint of admissions travel, I imagine, is not insignificant. And if they could be home and doing the same kinds of meetings they would be doing on in our offices, I just wonder about that one. And if they're doing it from home, they may actually be able to create greater access to themselves by Zoom and and other ways as well. Interesting to think about. Sort of to wrap up here, what advice do you give the young person who's nervous about how this is all going to work out right now? Uh, That, you know, everything's changed. There's nothing reliable to to look upon in terms of markers for success moving forward here. And and is this going to work for me? How do you help alleviate that anxiety? I think I would say that the people who do this work on either side of the desk as college counselors or admissions folks got into this work because we love working with students and we want to help them make this transition. Everyone is going, everyone is in the same boat of uncertainty, but the intent is to help students and we're going to get you there. I just feel like admissions professionals are going to be as forthcoming as they possibly can be and as helpful as they possibly can be. And the same is true of those of us on this, on my side of the desk and just stay organized, mm-hmm. follow deadlines, and put your best foot forward. And that's all anyone can do. And that you're going to find the right fit. It's going to work out. Excellent. Great, great advice. Great advice from somebody who, who has seen the process from, from a lot of angles over her career. And uh, your, your students are very lucky to have you. 
want to oh, thank, thank you, Allison, for, for giving us some time today to, to share your thoughts about uh, uh, life, particularly life in, in uh, college advising during the, the uh, pandemic. Thank you again for sharing your thoughts, and I wish you well, and uh, hope you have a great day. So uh, stay safe until we see you again. All right. Wonderful. It's wonderful being with you, Peter. Take care. Take care.